0: opinions expressed on the hard time podcast are of the hosts and guests individually the hard time podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity agency or department human beings have thoughts and feelings that do not necessarily affect the professional performance of their duties
1: ladies and gentlemen the story you are about to hear is true the names have been changed to protect the innocent attacked a correctional officer in St. Louis County this week after he refused to go back to his cell.
0: This is what we have to deal with. Inmates like that. Everybody has an opinion to you know about what goes on and stuff in here, but not times out of ten, anybody that has anything any negative say about a correctional officer, they've never even
1: been in the facility, never been inside of the jail. Once like, they
0: have 24-7, to sit there and come up ways to outsmart. So they always want to try, but we've got to be proactive actuals
1: so remain professional and, and do a job. Officers being praised for their quick actions. Lake County Sheriff uh, says, quote, they are heroes uh, in my books.
0: Regular day at the office. Thanks for uh, tuning in. I know a bunch of you have reached out to me uh, and slid into my DMs. on difficult to look at pictures on Instagram and you say, Hard Time is uh, oh, uh, one of the big shows for you that you appreciate every time an episode drops on Patreon. I appreciate you listening, whether you're a correctional officer or just someone who hopes to get thrown in jail someday and wants to know what to expect. We appreciate you uh, spending the money to listen to this show. It means a lot to me that you support me and you support Jake. This is something that we started out, uh, that we were doing for fun and for because we have passion about the job. And we appreciate that you're here listening and taking it in to make it all worthwhile. Uh, my co-host is here, uh, new to Instagram. He he found a new, he found a second phone, and that's how he's able to get on Instagram. That's the state of things over there, folks. I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> Jake, motherfucker welder, who you can find on the Instagram, at Jake, middle name, motherfucker, last welder, Jake, the whole thing. His, his handle is actually longer than mine, so congratulations on breaking my record. <laughs> how are you doing, Sarge?
1: I'm doing all right, enjoying days off, ready to see what uh, fresh hell, what the shit show is doing. I haven't checked my work email, which is always a good idea. Don't don't check your work emails or uh, shared documents and stuff on your days off. Just be off. I mean, this is my, my passion project, my side gig, enjoying it, trying to keep the energy up here and uh, looking forward to this update on our case. I know. Uh, We broke this down before, and I I don't know why they didn't text me and let me know. Obviously, Dave Davis should have let Hard Time know that these guys were back in Mm -hmm. Bibb County Jail, spoiler alert. But we're going to break down how that happened, how far they got or didn't get, and uh, talk about a couple of accomplices and such.
0: And if my predictions were correct, when we had Abby on the previous episode, which was probably one of our all-time greats, I predicted that a man would jump and slide across the roof of a car that another man uh, en- engaged in a vigorous gunfight would have his hat blown off by a bullet and he would he would hug his wife and children more dearly every day after that for having survived i predicted that uh one of the inmates would go down in a hail of gunfire and then he would already be dead and on his knees and the bullets riddling his body like in that part in platoon would keep his body afloat and he's already dead to the world and you know Mm -hmm. that it would be blood spraying into a fine mist and that the streets would run crimson with runaway blood and hey i had a bunch of great takes in that one real dark saved it for the end though so that abby didn't like quit the episode early (laughs) he was trying to like Try to not be myself as long as I can in front of Abby because uh, she's kind of pro- professional. She does what we do, but she does it with like a bit a bit more leaning into like journalistic integrity and legitimacy mm-hmm. and, and adult seriousness, uh, which is something you and I should have at our age just throwing right. that out there. but <laughs> we, we don't, we, we, we talk about this job as, uh, you know, Jake's really the expert. He's got more time in than me. And, uh, I have some knowledge that it's fading away from my experience, but, uh, we've got experience in the job. So we're here to talk to you about corrections, the escapes, uh, particularly from Bibb County Jail. Uh, did you want me to read there? One of the articles that you sent me about, uh, the DoorDash, or did you want to? Uh, did you want me to play the news footage of the last one being brought into custody? If you're running the show, what what would you like that to be?
1: Yeah, I think we can uh, probably do it in that order. Do the the talk about the the original incident. You know, play the video and break that down a little bit, and then we can okay. talk about uh, the last guy. We'll do the perp walk and that kind of stuff on social media. And just just so you guys know, our listeners are familiar with abby i just will say if you want class listen to on being a police officer and if you want crass uh listen to hard time
0: it's almost like we've got a nice little slogan there that just was birthed right in front of you uh welcome Mm -hmm. to the birth of um us like uh having a a slogan but also paying homage to a podcast that we don't get paid to produce
1: all right i will uh so this is like this is the fourth time then that i'm cutting an umbilical cord if it was just birthed in front of me
0: you have three <laughs> children right i'm just making sure like the
1: first three were for sure yours uh I just yes didn't know if you were yeah, like one of those weirdos
0: that was out there cutting cutting anyway
1: <laughs> yeah There's... i just ran into the operating rooms randomly cut the cord Haha, and then walked away
0: it's it sounds like a we I do too many true crime episodes now, so it sounds like a weird detail from a true crime. Like <laughs> like looking back, like yeah, he always stacked plates on the on people he had bound helpless on the floor, and then he would go cut umbilical cords. You know, it just sounds like one of those. It just sounds like a weird detail. Uh yeah, I need a break, I need a break from true crime. <laughs> I'm not taking one though. Uh so I'll go ahead and play the video. Here we go.
1: This escaped Bibb County inmate has been captured. The Bibb County Sheriff's Office says inmate Joey Travis Forner was caught this afternoon in Clayton County. This is a picture from that arrest. Tonight, Forner will return to the Bibb County Law Enforcement Center. He's accused of murdering his ex girlfriend last year. Forner, along with three other inmates, escaped through a damaged window in an interview room at the county detention center in October. Bibb County Sheriff David Davis says, "quote We are grateful that this latest escapee has been captured. My heartfelt appreci- appreciation goes out to all the hardworking law enforcement officers from the Bibb County Sheriff's Office and from all of our partner agencies who worked tirelessly to bring these four fugitives back into custody."
0: Yes, yeah, he has to, gets to thank heartfelt all the people who undid his mistake. Uh, she's also referring to this guy as Joey. Foreigner, it's spelled Fournier like F O U R N I E R. So I'm not sure why she's calling him foreigner. Also, captured Mark Anderson, Chavis Stokes, and of course, Jennifer Barnwell, who now Will Craig calls me Jennifer every time that he is talking to me. So that's something that stuck thanks to you. Uh, <laughs> I was looking at the video right, right before the show with you. Uh, they released that. I saw it. it was on the UK telegraph of all things, which, you know, why do they care about uh, a prison escape, a jail escape? Uh, and uh, across the ocean and far away. I'm not sure. It was not exactly what I pictured. I think I've been out of it for so long that uh, you know, I, I have the typical probably Abby ish view. No offense, Abby, but a four men, you know, uh, rappelling down from a, a window from t sheets tied together. And there's all four of them are on the line at once. And like they're swaying back and forth and encouraging each other. Here we have uh, a picture of two men running away from a building, out a window towards a fence, sliding underneath where it's clearly been damaged or pre-cut or whatever, indicating that, you know, this has been well-organized. They have some waiting on the outside. Two run, initially run across the yard. The third one gets out and runs. He's running to freedom. And then I think the last one was Fournier because he's kind of this old, dirty white guy with like long, thinning hair, kind of, you know, looks like a comic book villain type guy. There was a Dodge Challenger waiting to transport the four of them, I guess. I don't know how uh, you fit four dudes plus a driver inside a Challenger. Like we said, it was probably nuts to butts to nuts to butts. Like they're just stacked in there like cordwood. So it's good. It's interesting to see how that escape worked. Of course, we mentioned this in the last episode. Very grateful to all the partner agencies and non-correctional officer people who brought these people in. They're looking all super cool in their green T-shirts and tack vests with extra magazines and things like that. I almost think they're dressing the part a little too much there. But uh, bring them back to Bibb County Jail. Where they may escape again, you know, only time will tell. Did they did they plug up the hole in the window? Did they fix a fence? Did they manage their uh their obvious deficiencies as a correctional facility so that they can contain these men? Only time will tell. Jake, your initial thoughts on the return of, of these four men.
1: Uh, well, I, I enjoyed that uh, picture that I know that our listeners can't hear it of the, the pixelated faces of two out of three um, US Marshals that uh, brought Mr. I would say Fournier. Maybe we're, maybe we're just attributing too much, um, you know, ethnicity and class to this person. Maybe he is more of a foreigner. I don't know. Um But, uh, yeah, it's it's I imagine
0: he's I imagine he speaks with a with a a Louisiana, New Orleans accent. I imagine he's very I imagine (laughs) he's very likely to guarantee things. I don't know why. I don't know why my (laughs) imagination like use him as clearly a Cajun or Creole person. I don't understand that at all. Whereas the other three guys, you know, regular black guys. I don't know whatever you want to say about that. but But for some reason, he's the Cajun one. Keep going.
1: Right, and I, I like the fact that they pixelated two out of the three, so we're keeping the doxing up. You know, we have one person clearly that's been doxed, um, wearing the standard issue Oakleys, and uh, <laughs> which I have a pair of those exact same glasses. God damn it! And you're pixelated, um, so And I'm pixelated, so yeah, yeah. You, uh, they can check me out on uh, Instagram now. I, I have a presence. I'm, I'm just technologically stupid so i'm very slow on the uptake but we're getting there so that people can contact us and uh i i like that video you know they they plopped out of that window like the pieces of shit that they are and then ran across the yard i noticed that they're they had different outfits you know the black guys were wearing just whites they kind of stripped down and fournier was wearing uh, his orange Ensemble, so because it goes better with his uh, pasty complexion as um, dressing for their escape. So that was very, very interesting to actually see it happen and get this update on them getting captured.
0: I'm going to read an article here because it just there wasn't much in the news. And of course, catching four inmates is never as salacious as four people escaping. So there wasn't quite as much press coverage on that, particularly when apparently all four were taken into custody without causing any further egregious harm like killing their ex-girlfriends which was another one of my predictions this comes from corrections one which is uh basically the official publication of this show because we so often refer to it grubhub order cell phone texts lead deputies to four escaped georgia jail inmates quote police at the door baby i'm going back to jail (laughs) one of the escaped inmates sent in a text following a grubhub order Bibb County Sheriff's Office by Micah Johnston from the Macon Telegraph. Macon, Georgia. The Bibb County Sheriff's Office revealed new details on how authorities used a Grubhub order and other cell phone data to track down the four inmates who escaped last month from the Bibb County Jail. Flanked by investigators on both sides at the Monday afternoon press conference, Sheriff David Davis, who has the most Georgia sheriff name on earth, described how the inmates' accomplices and their phones led investigators to the escapees. Quote. It was a chain, Davis told the Macon Telegraph after the t- after the conference. You find one thing and then another thing and then another, just like in a chain. Three things connected to each other in sequence, connected together one after another, like a chain, he said. We were able to find these people connected to it, and it started going. The four inmates, Chavis Stokes, 29, Mark Carey Anderson, 24, Jennifer barnwell which here it's spelled differently that's interesting 37 and joey fournier 52 escaped from the jail at or about 3 a.m october 16th after they pried open a window that was not apparently their cell and escaped through a hole cut in the fence stokes was the first to be found when deputies and u.s marshals captured him on october 26 at the end of a drain pipe guns drawn he said i didn't kill my wife
1: he said, I don't, I don't care.
0: I don't care. His arrest came after the sheriff's office arrested a man for helping with the escape with the blue Dodge Challenger that could be seen in the video of the jailbreak. From there, Bibb County investigators and several other agencies unraveled a chain of evidence and arrested more accomplices, including Taimisha Timley, 32, who was arrested in aiding in the escape. Tymesha Timley sounds like a female once timley was in custody davis said investigators had access to her phone so she's been in contact with them since and may know where they are timley was having food delivered to anderson up there in this high-rise place that he was staying in atlanta davis said if you notice the grubhub folks take a picture of where they deliver it so we had an apartment number i just love the fact that not only did we find them but like we've been talking about this so much like on true crime like how dna databases are subject to warrant and we talk about it on on comm center about how we can get warrants for tracking and pinging cell phones. Now Grubhub (laughs) has joined uh, the massive network of private industry that can be used to track criminal behavior. The late night eats shown to have been delivered to the apartment on Park Avenue in the Buckhead area of Atlanta led authorities right to Anderson. Davis said when police arrived, Anderson texted Tim Lee, unaware that investigators had already seized her phone. According to Davis, Police at the door, baby. I'm going back to jail, Anderson said in a text. Deputies and U.S. Marshals arrested Anderson the afternoon of November 3 at the North Atlanta apartment they found via the Grubhub order. At that point, he knew it was over, Davis said. Did he get the food, though? Like, what happened? I used to deliver food, so I just wonder, like, that Grubhub order went out. Somebody made the food, then they brought it there. And what, they get there in the SWAT vans parked right. outside? Did the SWAT right. guys was eat it, the
1: food? Was it warm? Did it, did they tip? There's There's a lot of... Uh, lingering questions
0: say honey chipotle chicken crispers <laughs> that was my nickname in high school an earlier quote from davis was when he was asked about why the inmates might have broken out on october 16th proved prescient after grubhub line of investigation led to anderson's arrest maybe they just get tired of eating nut nut lo- neutral loaf davis quipped last month neutral loaf neutral loaf that's what they get fed they get fed neutral loaf and they were sick of it, so they busted out so they could eat Grubhub. That's literally in this article. It sounds like something I just made up, only slightly more clever. But no, that's literally here. The investigation continued to unwind as bib deputies arrested more accomplices, including the two women, Janisha Green, 30, and Jerkoshia Smith, 30, who allegedly helped Barnwell escape. Police tracked two cars via license plate cameras that Green and Smith swapped out with Barnwell. Keep him hidden in South Carolina and Augusta, Georgia, Davis said Monday. Barnwell was arrested November 12th at an Augusta home. That left just Fournier's, the final inmate on the lam. Fournier went off the grid after he escaped by not using a cell phone. I like how the old guy is smart about that. He probably is more used to not having a cell phone. Davis said Monday, but investigators were able to track him down with the help of his family. We were in contact with his family to the point where they. Where he finally decided he would give it up Saturday morning, Davis said he had been living in a homeless camp near Stockbridge ever since the escape. I like it. He broke out from jail, living as a homeless person. He said, "This sucks. I'm just going to go back to jail. And now he's got all this extra time in for escape charges, all for nothing, apparently. Authorities arrested forney Saturday after afternoon in Clayton County, ending the pursuit of the four inmates. He gave himself up after investigators found some belongings there, according to Davis. Five direct accomplices in total were arrested, not including suspect accomplice Christian Williams, who shot himself during a police confrontation earlier in the investigation. Oh, somebody did die. Oops. Bib deputies made a number of other arrests in the case after they linked several known making gang members to the escapees, Davis said Monday. An additional six gang members with links to the inmates were arrested, although Davis said they were not directly involved with the jailbreak. The sheriff's office also sees the cars used to transport and hide Barnwell, as well as the truck Jeffrey Fournier drove after his escape, Davis said. So I guess I was right. They took the Challenger to some other point and then had other vehicles there. The agencies that helped track and arrest the escapees included the United States Marshal Service, Southwest Regional Fugitive Task Force, FBI, GBI, Georgia State Patrol, and the sheriff's offices from Henry, Clayton, Butts County, Richmond, and Fulton counties. Police departments from Henry and Clayton, counties also helped arrest the inmates so fantastic job to those 119 agencies good job all everybody uh got them back fournier jake we
1: want we want to catch these guys that's what he said that's that was their focus and it was a chain i like i like how dave davis thought he pictured a chain because he wanted to think that they were still chained and fettered to his uh his facility but clearly we saw them run away without any any impairments other than their uh, girth and uh <laughs> stop lap go- saying
0: the word girth to me
1: <laughs> that's that's only two that's only two that's not too bad for a, a friday morning um, two a day. <laughs> two is too many yeah i i they got the US marshals in on it i mean uh, i don't know if um, sam gerard was in on it and uh, fbi agent Royce was in there if he got finally got rid of his nickel plated sissy pistol and got a glock i'm not sure He, he might have been one of the people that was uh pixelated there the us is that marshals a reference to
0: uh us marshals the follow up movie to the fugitive
1: yes that was that that is the, I've never, that is the follow up i've
0: never, never finished that movie so well, do better. Just do do better. You're just, you're just you're <laughs> just mad about it. Do better. Uh, yeah, I need to watch U.S. Marshals for sure. Uh, so it's your homework assignment.
1: Now I'll watch Ghostbusters too, and you can watch U.S. Marshals. I have I've seen Ghostbusters too. It's just been a long time.
0: That's a good one. I like the DMC remix, uh, and I have no idea why. So I like this article because it talks about the professionalism and the hard work of all these agencies that were able to bring these men back to justice. That's very good, particularly for Fournier, who I think is accused of killing his ex-girlfriend. Still have a problem, though. These guys got out. You know, it doesn't matter how robust and hardworking your agencies are in finding these men if we still have a huge deficit at the jail, right? We, we can round up people all day. Mhm. Yeah. But if we don't have a place to keep them where they're not getting out, uh, that's a problem. And I think that's why Davis is particularly grateful that all four of these guys are back in custody because it kind of, um, not that he's out of hot water or that the issue's over, but it's like, well, you know, now we can go back to business because the problem has ended. You know, these four guys are no longer on the loose. We don't have to worry about uh, the greater implications of their escape, the crimes they would continue to commit while they were supposed to be in custody. But I mean, we still have longstanding or outstanding issues with how this escape went down. We kind of broke it down before, but why don't we cover just some of the points? I know that uh, it mentioned that they broke out of a window in an interview room. Now you had some other details about where they mm-hmm. were in the in the jail and questions about why they were there.
1: Yeah, so it's it that was he said it was the oldest part of the jail. He did disclose that before. Um, but from the pictures, if you look at the pictures in there, it's actually a disused part of the jail. And there's like drop claws and scaffolding and stuff in that room. Like the tools that are there aren't just the tools that the inmates got dropped off through the hole in the fence and they pulled up, um, to widen that opening. This is, they just dropped out a window. Like this isn't a window on your house, like just a double paned window, or maybe your one you know your old school uh single pane with lead paint um this is the tall like gun port style or i think i talked to it said it was like the old castle aeroport type uh windows and they were able to use apparently uh power tools to widen it enough so that they could get out and uh plop down from the the second floor to a first floor. It didn't even look like it was a full story. Like it looks like the first floor, you know, second floor was fairly close uh, to the ground for them. And then they ran through those uh, holes in the fence. And right next to those two holes, they went through, you can see the first fence in the video. There is a second fence. Um, And before that, there's a hole that's just a few feet away from it. And that's where they had cut a hole and dropped off a cell phone earlier. And they said it was in a a day room vent, but it could have been another window or something similar um, that they used. And, you know, cell phones have been featuring, I mean, I know we keep talking about cell phones every every episode, but they feature highly in this escape. Was that how they communicated, how they got the time? Did they communicate with each other with cell phones? They obviously had it coordinated enough to have a getaway vehicle, the tools, the time, and all be ready to uh, leave at the same time. So um, they wouldn't have been able to do that if they were on like a closed um, prison phone system talking about things with their calls being recorded. So cell phones again, got them out and cell phones brought them back to Bibb County Jail.
0: That's uh, I like I like the symmetry on that. It's almost like the whole thing was written uh, in a storybook. Power tools are something that should never be accessible by inmates who are inside a secure facility at any time ever.
1: Do you agree with that? <laughs> yeah, no i I, I would get it's pissed. It's just painfully
0: when... painfully obvious. You have a huge problem there. If if any kind of plug in and use tool. And just tools in general are generally not to be handed out to inmates. Like, tool control for inmates, at least inside the state penitentiary, is a big deal. We would have to hand out lighters to inmates because they would have to light fires for their sweat lodges. The amount of control that we had to do to do that was ridiculous. Anytime a a tool was signed out, there was lots of control. They generally did not go to inmates. Um, Just sort of ridiculous, the idea that. these these guys somehow have access to power tools and and what about the noise of using them you mentioned that in a previous episode that you know you were had a prior life in construction and you know how loud these tools could be even though the common person would have no idea how the hell do you how the hell do you have a construction project going on at three in the morning and just nobody wonders
1: well so the the tools were actually dropped off so after they cut the holes in the fence on this you know two three o'clock in the morning uh, a bag of tools was like left at the wall and the inmates were able to pull it up. And then that's what helped them open the, open the window further. So the tools were brought by their accomplices, but um, it's, he wasn't really clear on it. He said, there's some reports that somebody heard something, but somebody didn't hear something, maybe kind of, sorta. And it's like, if, if there's a rotary hammer, demolition hammer, uh you know hammer drill going chiseling um you know like it's like a a smaller version of a jackhammer basically i don't think they pulled a full-size jackhammer up but i think they had access to very similar tools to be able to do this it would have taken months you know or weeks days long many many hours by hand to do this job but it it makes sense to me that somebody heard something it doesn't make sense to me that they didn't do what they had to do in order to investigate it. And that's why these guys got out. Even with the the planning that they had, if somebody had gone and looked um, and checked it out and, and why was the fucking door open? I know I brought that up before. They said sometimes the door to this wing's closed and sometimes it ain't at night. And it's like, they should be secured at all times. It Like you said, they shouldn't have any kind of access to this ever. I don't know why um they would even know this is there. And apparently they'd been there before because they knew where this window was and where it was in relation to the street and that it was in a state of disrepair and, you know, like how did they get in there ahead of time? That's a detail that we don't know.
0: So if you had to do the Warren Commission on this, just based on what you know, and admittedly there's a lot we don't Who takes ultimate blame for this in your opinion? The sheriff? Jail administrator, possibly a lieutenant level of a person, is it the sergeant who's running the shift, who just some kind of lapse of duty, knowing what the hell's going on, like I said, construction project at 3 a.m. I'm going to go ahead and give an, a pass to the officers because we already know that they weren't fully staffed, that we had huge sections of this jail where there just wasn't anybody. We know that they they had so few officers there that like conducting counts was problematic so there's just no officer there to blame right like the officer that who should have been there just wasn't hired so i'm going to go ahead and just say it was generally not the officer's fault because you can't require them to be everywhere or stop everything also because infrastructure is a problem that has to be managed by at least managerial people or upwards meaning a sergeant needs to report that there's a deficit with the physical structure of the building the safety of the plant who who's getting the blame is it everybody is it one person like you know where do you sit
1: I would say whoever, you know, whoever had command and control that evening, um, whoever uh, was it and the only way I would put anything on an officer in this case is if the officer heard something, but didn't report it to anyone. And that's the reason it didn't get looked into. And that was a revelation that happened after the fact, because I've had that before where somebody gives me details when I'm on shift. And then all of a sudden at the end of shift, they tell me a very different story and there's a lot more context and I'm like, okay, well that completely changes the color of what is happening. You know, if you hear, um, you say, oh, well, I heard something versus I heard what sounded like somebody breaking out of the jail through a wall, like something that sounded like power tools. Like, um, that's very different than, oh, I heard a noise down on a hallway. Um, but yeah, it was definitely the people that were, um, in charge that knew that there had been this deficit as far as, um, staffing for a long time. I know the sheriff wants to blame everything. Like you said, he doesn't have control of the purse strings to upgrade the jail, but certainly, um, he could tour the jail and make sure that they're locking fucking doors and have some kind of involvement on who they're hiring and what they're doing there, um, There should be walkthroughs that are being done by command staff and um, people to keep people, keep stuff straight so this type of thing doesn't happen. It's a failure on multiple levels, in in my opinion. But ultimately, we know shit rolls downhill, and it's usually to someone, whoever was at the sergeant or lieutenant level that evening.
0: Ultimately, I, I agree with all that. Uh, it's failure in all points, but uh, you know the buck stops where? It stops with the chief administrator, stops with the person in charge. I hate to paint like such a broad stroke, but it seems to me like the sheriff... Maybe this just really isn't fair. Maybe I shouldn't even say this. Does the sheriff ever really give a shit about the jail? I mean, the sheriff's in charge of so much else, right? Like The sheriff really cares about patrol, and the sheriff really cares about investigations, and the sheriff really cares about the sheriff's office as a greater whole. The sheriff's office cares about the sheriff, meaning his... His image, his political stance—you know—if he's running again, campaigning, um, how he looks to the public. Does the jail, you know, would you? Again, I don't even know if I should say this, but I'm just wondering: Does the jail like fall down to a low list of priorities amongst sheriffs? I say that because I remember that one—the Fulton County Jail in Georgia—as well, absolutely dilapidated. You know, the news went in there. We did an episode about it, about how gross it was that a guy died from being eaten alive by bed bugs, and the sheriff goes in there and you know the news goes in there with him and the sheriff's touring the jail and it's just like you know man you own all of this this is all on you and how did it ever get this way how could you have been in office for any amount of time and dealt with this and if it's so bad the fulton county jail specifically why did you run for sheriff knowing you were going to inherit this as a problem that you were going to take this on up to the point where in fulton county you have someone getting eaten alive by bedbugs and other disgusting things going on, you know, whole sections where it's closed off. There's water on the floor, standing water, plumbing problems, doors falling off. I get they don't control the purse strings for renovating those sorts of things, but it's like, do you, do you think that sheriffs just, they does they delegate that to a lieutenant or a captain and it's just never their problem again? Or do you think there's a disconnect there between the jail and the sheriff?
1: I think, well, like locally, I know, um, there's like annual walkthroughs and stuff that they do, but, um, we're not managed by like a sheriff, but you know, the sheriff, obviously like deputies and stuff have come out or police departments, depending on the type of situations. Um, and they obviously bring people to us. Um, but it's like it, yeah, they, they walk through once a year at best. If uh, if they even attend that, and um, sometimes uh, we do have state inspections and things like that. But yeah, I, it seems like I have a lot of things on my plate as a sergeant. So I guess the way I would categorize it is like, well, I have inmate issues, I have officer issues, I have administrative stuff that I have to do, things I'm given by administration, and things I'm given to administer and things. But I still want. One of the things that I'm in charge of is making sure that maintenance gets done. So I'm still making sure that officers are doing their walkthroughs on stuff. I'm still doing perimeter checks and looking for uh, maintenance issues. still making sure that those things are done. It may not be the top of my priority list, but it's still something that I'm doing on a weekly, if not biweekly basis. So um, I would think that uh, David Davis, if he's not already doing so, he needs to be, uh, walking through there and looking and identifying issues a lot earlier. Usually it's after a major incident that this is what it takes to get any kind of change um, in procedures or people to to pay attention. But yeah, I definitely think um, if it's it says, you know, it's, it's run by the sheriff's office, he should be aware of what's going on other than just saying, well, I told you we had an old jail and we need a new jail and, I done told you these things and it's like, okay, but what are you doing about it? How persistent are you about it? What, what is your solution? Uh, You know, you can, that's a big thing when I'm doing reports or emails, it's like, you have to propose a solution. You can't just send something or write a report. Like, okay, well this happened. Okay. Well, then what the fuck did you do about it? I mean, we don't word it exactly like that, but, uh, but yeah, what are you doing?
0: When, when he was giving all his details about how it's in the crappiest part of the jail, I done told you we need a new jail. That was to me, that was all him just kicking the can the responsibility saying, hey, I've been telling you about these problems. Uh, but, you know, the the county commission or whoever would need to renovate the building has been letting it slide. And it, I'll put it on county commissioners too. like certain things, you know, are so expensive that they just they don't. In a sense, they're in a trap because it's like they can't vote to raise taxes or have a huge bond issue. Because if you're in a conservative county or something like that, and, and now you're you're starting a new spending initiative that becomes attached to who you are, now you're no longer a conservative. Well, again, I won't get on a huge soapbox here, but like the government is supposed to provide certain things and a jail that keeps our criminals confined is one of them. It's one thing to start a, a spending bill for, you know, some kind of nonsense, whether it's uh, <laughs> expanding, uh, you know, stuff in our schools for bullshit woke policies. Like that stuff I'm clearly against. Having having a, a robust sheriff's department that can enforce the law, 911 apparatus that works that could save lives in a jail that keeps these people in custody is just what the government's supposed to do. So no matter how conservative you are, you need to be going out there and you need to be able to raise taxes to get these things done because the people deserve law in order, they deserve safety. And you're just going to have to take that risk as a politician. And ultimately you should be putting the good of your community ahead of your own career as a politician. And frankly, these things just need to be get, need to be getting done. And so the only way to do that is to to hold them accountable saying, Hey, well, you were a County commissioner here. We had four inmates break out of the Bibb County jail. So what do you think about that commissioner? You know, is, is there, is there some reason why we can't uh, be spending money to make sure that this is a place that actually is a jail? If it's just something that's uh, that, you know, four people who are waiting for charges or whatever they can just walk away from. It's really not any better than a bus station or something. So you need to find some way to make this physically robust, to lock it down. And it's on you to do that. And that way, when we have, when we have the shame and embarrassment of four inmates breaking out and having to involve all these, all these other agencies to clean up your mess, that can fall on the county commissioner, too. And it needs to fall on them because if they're not spending money to keep this jail intact, that's on them. It's on the sheriff too, but let's make sure that we have shame for our legislators who are not, uh, not appropriately uh, getting funding uh, to keep our facilities intact. There I'm off my soapbox. It's everyone's fault, but mine, but especially County commissioners, the sheriff for, uh, for just being, being responsible for what happens there and, and others. What are your, what are your, what are your final thoughts on it, Jake? Cause I can hear your family waking up. I know that one of your, one of your daughters or perhaps your son, Is not particularly happy that daddy's not up yet. So what are your final thoughts on it?
1: (laughs) That sounds like, uh, sounds like my daughter, my, uh, my middle, she's in the the terrible twos. Um, But uh, I would say as, yeah, absolutely. As a citizen, people say, well, there's nothing we can do about it. And it's like, that's not, that's not true. You know, these I've been to County commission meetings. I've commented at County commission meetings. I've also done it at the municipal level gone to sitting meetings, and they absolutely feel the pressure. And um, if they go unchecked, um, they're going to do whatever they want behind closed doors. And, you know, they might upload the meeting to YouTube or whatever apparatus they have, but yeah, they have to be, they have to be held to account. So just make sure you have your thoughts in order or a question, like the question that you posed, the way you phrased it, like, what are you doing about this? You know, what is your plan? Um, That would be easily within the 90 seconds or three minutes, whatever they're gonna give you. Just understand um, what you're doing before you go there. Um, I also, I, I wasn't familiar with Nutri-Loaf. Um, That was a, a gap in my correctional uh, understanding. So it's a uh, food served in prisons um, that to inmates who have misbehaved, abused food or had inflicted harm upon themselves or others. So it's a, similar to meatloaf in texture, but has a wider variety of ingredients so if you want to go to uh, wherever you get your recipes TikTok, uh, Pinterest or whatever and look up uh, loaf, it's probably not as tasty as uh, you know the various spreads uh, recipes Mm -hmm. that involve ramen and you know uh, spice what is it the the fuck are they always eating the spicy it's like the spicy um, chips or whatever and putting stuff in there making prison burritos with or without shit
0: yeah, nice um,
1: all those types of things. <laughs> so that was a little gap in my understanding. So that was interesting, and and uh, just a comment also on the Grubhub. Uh, I didn't experience Grubhub a lot before um, moving here to the Southwest. I will say this is not a slight to you, John, but most of the people that deliver food here in my area, I will say, um, are they look like. Uh, they would be closer to the um, residents at the jail than the staff at the jail. That's why I don't use Grubhub. <laughs> I like to go pick up the food myself and make sure that people aren't like eating my food before they deliver it. So I just think it's funny that they, um, it makes me nervous now that I have two cell phones that are working and two social media accounts now um, that somebody's going to be kicking down my door for the comments that I make on this podcast. So just uh, I'll be, well, I'm not going to filter myself moving forward. If they come for me, fuck it.
0: I was going to say, yeah, you're probably already on a watch list of some kind anyway. Uh, Do you want to take us out with a joke?
1: Yes, I will look one up here. I actually had a few things going. I hadn't looked at that.
0: Okay, I'll make a, you already made our poop reference, and we had a reference to The Fugitive, which is now an official stat that'll be tracked on the show, so uh, we're going to try to reference that at least one per episode, for no reason, it has nothing to do with uh, correctional officers or prisons, really, I mean, there was an escape in that movie where the bus crashes or whatever, and some correctional officers behave rather poorly while on the bus, but Uh, other than that it's just a movie that we Mm -hmm. both love and I I have to go see U.S. Marshals. so I'm really just flapjacking waiting for you to to come up with your dad joke I don't know if you have your little bathroom manual there that you're ready to go with or
1: yeah I I had to go through my Rolodex for uh, those of us that remember that uh, what that is in order to find it and also uh, U.S. Marshalls involves a plane crash so it's it's similar to Con Air without uh, the child molestation Um, so just just to add a little bit of uh, (laughs) I don't know why I got that look but the uh, joke here just to add a little bit of class and a little education to our listeners the chemistry teacher asked the class what is barium the student answered it's what you do after you kill him
0: Pretty good. And I like a nice chemistry joke that was actually slightly more high minded than anything else we've ever done here. Uh, you got the weird look for me because I haven't seen Con Air yet either. And I'm going to cut you off from yelling at me for having never seen that wonderful Nicolas Cage movie. I guess I just like The Rock a little bit too much. Uh, we will go ahead and uh, let you go. It's uh, you got to go be with your kids. And we've already been recording for like two full hours today. So I'll go ahead and put this episode out as sort of an update special. Uh, follow Jake Motherfucker Welder on Instagram at Jake Motherfucker Welder. Uh, look forward to uh, possibly new things happening with Hard Time. We're trying to to widen the audience, broaden the appeal, bring you guys as listeners more into the show. So just keep your eyes out. Uh, we love you all.
1: Say goodbye, Jake. Bye, Jake.